Would you go to 1 Corinthians, please? And the uh, first chapter, for a few weeks now, I guess what about maybe three or so, we have been on the subject that we're calling faith in the power. And in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter and the 18th verse, it says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. You can discern between saved people and lost people by how they see, refer to, talk about the gospel. People that despise it are lost. People who are saved respect it. How many in here thank God for the gospel? That's how you got born again, right? That's how you got saved. Gospel means good news. Keep going. Verse 19. It's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Skip on down to verse 22. He said, Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. No matter what you're looking for, Jesus is it. You're looking for power and miracles, that's who you should go to. Is that right? You're looking for wisdom and smarts and knowledge, that's who you should go to. Jesus is the power of God, the Christ is the power of God, and he's the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now skip down to the second chapter in the first verse, 1 Corinthians 2.1. 2.1. It said, Bright brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save or except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now let's stop there. Why would that be so? Keep that in mind because we're going to touch on it in a few moments. How does that connect with the next part? Keep reading. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Said out loud that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. But that your faith should be in the power of God. Faith in the power of God. This is what he was talking about. Faith in the power of God. Don't assume you know all about what that means. And certainly don't assume you have arrived at the fullest measure of faith in the power of God. 
The scripture warns in 2 Timothy 3, 5, 2 Timothy 3, 5, it says that there'll be people who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof, and from such turn away. Why would that be so? Why would that be so that there'll be people that are religious, but when it comes to the power of God, they deny it. They don't have faith in the power well, then what is their faith in? You know, we saw some time back talking about these things that the Sadducees were a religious group in Jesus' day. You'll, you'll read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the Sadducees, the scripture says, they deny that there is any spirit or angel or any resurrection from the dead. Basically, that there is no life after death. And my question at that point was, why go to that church? Right? There's no angel. There's no spirit. There's no life. After. Well, what are they doing at that church? It's not about power. They don't believe in the power. They don't believe in the existence of spiritual reality. They don't believe in any power that could raise the dead. So what's it all about at that church? Wisdom. Knowledge, only about smarts, you know, thinking and, and, and values and, and this and that. Now, why bring that up? Because the Sadducees are still around. They have different names, but it's the same basic idea and beliefs. They don't want to talk about spirits. Ooh, no, that's... Uh, and. And the virgin birth, well, I, you know, maybe that's more symbolic. Physically raised from the dead, well, we don't know. Well, you're lost. You're not even born again. You're not saved. If you don't believe in the power of God, like one individual said, if you're okay with the first verse in the Bible, <laughs> you'll make it okay through the rest of it. What does that mean? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, that took power. I said that took power and a whole lot of it, didn't it? To create stars and keep them burning, to create planets, to create galaxies, and to keep it all going, to create life, to create the animals, to create us, keep us going. It took and it takes immense amounts of continuous flow of power. If you don't believe in the power of God, what do you believe in? Well, you think you're smart. Yeah, and you have these intellectual concepts. And mostly what you have are theories. Theories. This could have happened. This might have happened. This probably happened. I, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now, he used to give us a definition of a theory. He said, you know what a theory is? We go, what? What's a theory? It is a supposition based upon ignorance of the topic under discussion. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's, huh? A theory means nothing's been proven. Nothing's been verified. Nothing's been confirmed. Somebody had an idea that they think. Might be true. Doesn't make it true. 
And you'll notice when you get right down to it, the, the theories of the Big Bang, the theory of evolution, the theory of all these things, do not forget, they are unproven, unverified theories. 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 And if you don't know how it happened, how do you know God didn't do it? If you weren't there, if you don't know how it happened, how do you know God wasn't involved? Just being honest, you'd have to say, I don't know. That's a start. Right? That's a start. But what I'm saying is, the Sadducees, if they don't believe in power, then why do they have church? Well, they have ideas. I said they have ideas. Ideas about this. Ideas about, oh, they got a lot of ideas. And they're so, they have very strong opinions. And they even fuss and fight over their ideas. But there's no power to change anybody. There's no power to save anybody. There's no power to heal anybody. There's no power to deliver anybody. Much less power to raise you from the dead. Oh, but with real Christianity, with the real Christ, it starts with power and it ends with power. And it's power all the way in between. Somebody say, power, power, power. power. I have faith in the power of God. I believe in the power of God. Not just theoretically, experientially. Have you been born again? Then you have experienced the power of God. Have you been filled with the Spirit? Have you been healed or delivered? then you have experienced some degree and manifestation of the power of God. And the great news is there's a lot more where that came from. Whoo! Man, I about preached myself happy already. Go to Isaiah, if you would. We looked at this last time, but I, I didn't feel like we nearly got... Got through talking about it. Isaiah, the 25th chapter, and we'll work our way over to the 40th chapter. And this is Isaiah 25, 4, verse 4. Isaiah 25, 4. It says, For you have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm. A shadow from the heat when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Everybody say he's a strength. He's strength to the poor. Strength to the needy. A refuge from the storm. In verse 8 it says he will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away all tears from off all faces And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. Hallelujah. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Notice the phrase, We've waited for him and salvation. Now skip on over to the 40th chapter, Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 and verse 21. 
He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? What he's saying, this is something everybody should know. (laughs) This is something that should be obvious. What do you mean? Romans 1.20 tells us that even God's eternal power and even his, the Godhead is clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made. When people say, there's no proof of God, there's no evidence of the existence of God, they're showing how blind and pitifully ignorant they are. No proof? Open your eyes. The ground you're standing on, the air you're breathing, every created thing, even though it's in a fallen state because of sin and the curse, is still so much beauty and amazing things about it. The fact that the mountains, the oceans, the, the animals, all of it is a revelation of the power of God and of who and what he is. The colors, the smells. Come on, are you with me? Every good thing is a revelation, is a manifestation of the reality of God. And that's what he's saying. He said, uh, have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you not understood from the foundations of the world? Verse 22, it's he that sits on the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, and stretches out the heavens as a curtain, and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. It, uh, this gives us a brief glimpse of God's perspective. He is way above it all. The earth is called his footstool. <laughs> now, you're big when you can use the earth for a footstool. And it goes on to say in verse 25 To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal? says the Holy One. And the answer to that, I'm going to skip ahead, is nobody. You can't, there's nobody that you can compare him to and say, well, they're a lot alike. There's only one God. I said there's only one God. Regardless of what you may have heard or read, there is only one God and only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. There's only one Savior. There's only, well, what about all these other religions? They're wrong. They're false. Well, you should show respect for their, their religion. That can't be right and this be right too. They contradict. So you've got to make a choice. They all can't be right. It's simply not true. They're, I'm satisfied. I'm confident. Somebody said, well, you're just narrow-minded and saved. There's a broad way that leads to destruction, and there's a lot of people going down it. And there's a narrow way that leads to salvation. No, all of it can't be true. All of it can't be right. And the Lord says that he is the only 
God. And there is none like him. And that nobody can come to him except by Jesus. That's what he said. I believe that. It says, verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and behold, who has created these things that brings out their host by number? He's talking about the stars in the sky. He calls them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one fails. Now, you know, you may think that it's been a little challenge sometimes to keep gas in your car or to keep the electricity going or to keep this or that going. But uh, how about keeping the sun burning? How about keeping all the stars burning? How about keeping the planets in their orbits and their courses? What kind of power does this take? Do we need to meditate on this? Do we need to understand who we're talking about when we're talking about the Almighty? Who we can also call Father. Abba. Father. But when, like they used to say on the playground, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. My daddy can beat up your daddy. Well, (laughs) ain't nobody's daddy like our daddy. Nobody even comes remotely close. And that's what he's saying. Who, Who will you compare me to? What will you liken to me? There is no other God who who is what he is, can do what he can do. Verse 28, he, he says it again. Can you hear this? Have you not known? Have you not heard? Where have you been? <laughs> right? Where'd you go to school? What, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not? Neither is weary. God never gets tired. We think, huh? Yeah, never. God never gets tired. Never. There is no searching of his understanding. You can't get to the end of it. Wow, there's always more. There's always more. (laughs) So we should never think we've figured it out. Right? Because no matter what you've learned, what what do you know? There's more. There's always more. Again, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now, he used to say, the more you learn, the less you see you knew. (laughs) And he said there was one point in his ministry where the Lord prompted him to pray the epistle prayers, the prayers in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 and some of those prayers. And part of that goes, Lord, you know, enlighten the eyes of my heart and understanding that I may know. And he, so he'd pray that every day, multiple times. And he said the Lord ministered to him one day and said, I'm, I'm taking you on to revelations. And he said he started seeing things. He started seeing things in the word, seeing things. And after a few months of this, he asked his wife, he said, what have I been preaching? Man, it's a wonder the, the deacons didn't have to come tell me to get in out of the rain. He said, it's pitiful. 
Well, why? Because he learned some things and grew, he saw what he didn't know. Is there room for you to grow? For me to grow? Oh, you, yes. Yes. And it's the fool who thinks they about got it all figured out. They don't know how little they actually know and how much there is to see and know. How many would like for the Lord to just open up your understanding? Woo, come on. Just open up your understanding and you see things and understand things that you ever, never even knew existed. How would you like that? Well, we're taught to pray it right there in Ephesians 1 and other places. So say it out loud right now. Father God, I believe in you. You are the Almighty. There is no end to your understanding. I know I don't know it all. I hardly know anything compared to you. I ask you, enlighten the eyes of my heart and my understanding. Open my understanding. Show me what I've not seen, what I've not understood, and I'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. A key to this is meditation in his word. Another way of saying that, thinking about what he said. As you think about what he said and you show respect to it, your eyes will open. (laughs) To those who don't believe and don't respect it, this is a closed book. But to those who revere and respect, didn't the Lord say, take heed how you hear. For the measure you meet to it, that's how it will be measured to you. So it says there's no end, no searching of his understanding. You, you can't get to the end of it. Verse 29. Now this is the, the part you should really shout about. Is he powerful? Is God big? That's not a big enough word. He's, he's mega big. He's giga big. He's mega giga. <laughs> a thousand to the millionth power big. He's bigger than that. But he's not just the biggest thing in existence glorying in his bigness. Part of his bigness is he likes to give. (laughs) He has so much and he wants to give so much to anybody that will receive it. He gives power to the faint. Woo! To them that have no might. He increases strength. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's the greatest giver there's ever been and ever will be. He's got the most power of anybody who ever will have, but he's not stingy with his power. He's a power giver. He's a power distributor. He's a power imparter. Are you a power receiver? We touched on this, didn't we, some last week about how electricity is God's power in the natural. But it doesn't just flow and manifest everywhere. There has to be a conductor 
not a resistor, not an insulator. There has to be a conductor. Some metals like copper and silver and gold, man, electricity, it'll rip right through them. It comes right into them and flows through them. Other things like rubber and wood, no. (laughs) It's just dud. It's dead. You don't want to be a a woodhead, (laughs) a blockhead. Do you? <laughs> or a rubber dummy. You, do, you don't want to be <laughs> one who does not conduct, one who does not believe, one who does not receive. You don't want to be that because that's a dull life. That's a nothing happening life. You want to be a receiver. He gives his power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Somebody say, I believe it. I I believe it. Oh, praise God. Let me read this to you from some other translations. The New Living says, have you never heard? Verse 28, have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weary, weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. In the the New Century Version says, He gives strength to those who are tired and more power to those who are weak. We live in a time and age, people have always gotten tired, but we live in a time and age where it seems like people even know less about how to rest. Because we have electricity and lights, we don't just go to bed and go to sleep when it gets dark. And because we have TV and internet and all these other things, a lot of folks hardly ever go to bed and don't know how to rest. Don't know how to be quiet. Didn't the Bible say, be still? Somebody say, be still. Be still still and know that I am God. Now who, well let me me back up a little bit. Does this, this thing about renewing your strength, does that work for everybody? All Christians. Look at it again. Verse 31, who does it work for? Who? This, everybody is obviously not renewing their strength. Obviously. We live in a generation of the chronically fatigued. There's even chronic fatigue syndrome. Chronically fatigued. What does that mean? It means too tired all the time. Is that how a child of God is supposed to be? Can we not help but be too tired all the time? 
Y'all going to leave me hanging with this? Or you were shouting just a couple of minutes ago about, about this. What changed? <laughs> are we supposed to be tired all the time? What are we supposed to be? Our strength as believers are supposed to be renewed. Renewed strength. The psalmist talked about, didn't he? That, uh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. He delivers my life from destruction. He renews. He renews my youth and my strength and my life. Now, we are physical a being, a body that our spirit's in, and uh, our body hadn't been redeemed and changed yet. So, yeah, uh, you, you're going to not just feel strong and, and ready to start something new every moment of the day. But we're supposed to get renewed. Though the outward man is growing older, perishing, decaying, yet the inward man is what? Come on, help me out. What? Renewed day by day. What is that? That is the quickening and renewing and strengthening of the Holy Spirit in your whole being day to day to day to day. Say it out loud. I'm not supposed to be tired all the time. Too tired. Fatigued. I'm a child of God. I'm supposed to be renewed, strengthened, quickened. He gives power to the faint. And he gives strength to those that have no might. No might, it said. He gives strength to those who are tired and more power to those who are weak, the new century said. The Living Bible says, He gives power to the tired and worn out and strength to the weak. The the BBE says, He gives power to the feeble. He increases the strength of him that has no force. Power to the faint and weary. Strength and might to the strengthless. How many believe God is telling the truth here? This is not just some useless poetry that you can looks nice, hangs on the wall, but it doesn't actually affect your life. No. God is the almighty. He has all might, all power. Just look around. Look up in the night sky. Just look around. And he said. Everybody say he said. He said. He said. He gives his power to the faint. He gives it. He gives strength to those that have no might. Now what was our part in this? Who who gets this? Those who wait on the Lord. Now those words there. Let me make sure I I tell it to you accurately. That entire phrase, but they that wait upon, in in the English King James, but they that wait upon, is actually just one word (laughs) in the original. It's just one word. And the word 
Kava means to expect. It's frequently translated to look for. To look for or to expect is who gets power. Who gets the power? King James says those who wait upon the Lord. But those five words are just one word. They represent just one word in the Hebrew. The word kavah, and it means expect. One definition says to look for with eager expectation. (laughs) To look for. To look for. Go with me if you would. Before you do that, let me read Young's literal translation. He's the author of Young's Concordance. So he knows a thing or two about Hebrew. He, this is how he translated it. He said, have you not known, have you not heard the God of the age, Jehovah, preparer of the ends of the earth, is not wearied nor fatigued. There is no searching of his understanding. He is giving power to the weary and to those not strong, he increases might. Even youths are wearied and fatigued, and young men utterly stumble. But those expecting Jehovah pass to power. That's the literal rendering. Those expecting Jehovah pass The word two is added. Power. They raise up the pinion as eagles. They run and are not fatigued. They go on and do not faint. Now we know we're still mortal. We know there will come a time we need to eat something. There comes a time we need to take a nap. Comes a time we need to get several hours. Good sleep at night. Right? But expecting the power of the Lord to quicken us will allow him to do things in us that are not natural. They are beyond the natural. They that look for the Lord, they that are expecting the Lord. I know uh, in the early days of our ministry, when you're young, you know, in your 20s, you know, in your good shape, you think you can do anything, man. I mean, we, I see people nodding their head. They, uh, we did some stuff. I, there was a time in my life I was speaking 25 times a week. 25 different times a week. And then sometimes I'd go out on the weekend. <laughs> Just, there were times we would leave Tulsa on Friday at 5 o'clock and fly out to the west coast because it's a four hour difference and we'd have a night service out there get up in the morning have a morning service and an afternoon service and an evening service on Saturday night go eat some good food and catch the red eye back to Tulsa and be in church on Sunday morning and then of course Monday's time to go to work (laughs) and you know, you, you think you can do that, but you're still mortal. You still got a body. And there were a few times I found myself I had pushed too far. 
on one occasion, I, I went out of town on the weekend and, and I was driving back in and I had missed too much sleep. And I, I still had eight hour drive to go, which ain't smart. But the last four hours, I'm having visions of the bed. Anybody ever been there? I mean, I, I am, I'm hurting, man. I, <laughs> I thought I had to get there, which I shouldn't have. But I had somebody to help keep me awake. You know, Phyllis was helping me. But uh, I'm, I'm hurting. Well, when I got there, I'm supposed to be off that day. Just as we got in the house, I mean, the bed is right over there. I am almost there. I mean, the phone rang. <laughs> I answered the phone and it was I was working at Kenneth Hagin Ministries at that time in the healing school in the prayer school something had come up and they needed me to do healing school that afternoon which is in about two hours and, <laughs> and so I I started to I started to say you know I, I can't and then the Lord brought to my Remembrance, he said, well, uh, you remember you told them any time they needed anything, they could call on you, and, and uh, you better ask me. And I thought, oh, Lord, am I in any shape to... And I found myself saying, okay, uh, let, me, let me change and get dressed, and, and I'll be over in a bit. I hung up the phone. I thought, what did you say? What did you... You're in no shape to minister to people. But I kept checking my heart, and what the Lord wanted... He wanted to show me something on this. And so... I, um, I'm getting ready, and, and I keep thinking the bed's just right over there. And, but I, I, I drove over, and I had some guys that helped me in healing school, and they were at the, at the front door, and there were some tables back there. And when I went by them, I said, pray, pray. <laughs> and they said, okay, okay. So, and, and I walked on up, and the music was done. I stepped up to the podium, and I, I took my text. And I started to say something, and man, strength came up in me. Woo, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Strength came up in me, and I mean within five minutes' time, I, I have no fatigue. I am not tired in the least. I mean, I preached for an hour. I waved my hands. I prayed. I laid hands on people. I mean, I, and I thought, this is amazing. This, this <laughs> Did it say he gives his power? Power to the faint. He increases strength to them that have no might. I thought, glory to God. Glory to God. I can, I can do this. I can do this anytime. And so I came and I was so chipper. And I said, hey to everybody on my way back to the office. And I sat down for about 30 minutes. And I thought, oh, Lord, I need to go home. <laughs> and, and the Lord quickened him. He said, now, you can't do this just any time. You just have to follow me. Come on, can you see this? There, there's a point where if you're not doing what he told you to do, you will just crash and burn. But if you need to do something that he's telling you to do, he gives power. Oh, somebody say, he gives power. He gives power to the faint. He increases strength to those that have no might. Hallelujah. But who is it 
that receives this? Who is it that renews their strength and mounts up like wings of an eagle that can run and not be weary and walk and not faint? Who? 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 Not just anybody. They, you got a part to play. They that what? Well, see, the fact that I was willing to go do that, I was, because that's one of the first things that came out of my mouth when I hung up the phone. Lord, you got to help me. I need your help. These people need your help. I don't need to go in there and, and do some poor job of ministering to them. They, they, they need answers. And, and so I need your help. Was I looking to the Lord? Come on, help. obviously I was. He helped me. Was I expecting? Was I expecting? Well, what am I expecting? I'm expecting something beyond what I can produce. Something greater than I can manufacture. Can you see this, church? That's what this means, they that wait on the Lord. That's all for that one word, expect. Expect. Those who are expecting. Look in Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 1. He said, those expecting Jehovah, they pass to power. That's the literal way it says. But Psalm 27, you, this idea is not an isolated instance. You'll find this all through the Word of God. Psalm 27, 1, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Say that out loud. The Lord, the Lord is the strength, is the strength of, my of my life. That shouldn't be the last time you say that. What did the Scripture say? Let the weak say, So anytime you start feeling fatigued and tired, you need to begin to confess his strength. Now you not only need to do that, waiting on the Lord, being still and knowing that he is God, includes turning some stuff off. It includes listening to him. There are times you should turn everything off and go to bed and go to sleep. There are reasons people are so fatigued. They just are doing hours and hours and hours and hours of stuff. And wondering why I'm so tired. Well, there's all kind of things you shouldn't be doing. It's I've had people tell me, even young people, you know, that couldn't keep a job because they couldn't get up in the morning and get there. Or couldn't get ready on time, couldn't get there. Or they couldn't, you know, make it to church. Because they couldn't get up. And they're just like, I'm, I'm just so tired. I'm, I'm just so, you know. Uh, well, here, here's a thought. <laughs> Saturday night. Go to bed. At 8.30. Come on, help me out. Why do you need to watch six hours of TV and then another three or four hours on the internet? Why? Why? Did the Lord tell you to do that? Why? Why? Go to bed at 8.30 with no TV, no internet, nothing on. Go to bed and see if you can get up in time for church. See, see if you can. See if you can get up in time to get ready to be at the job and keep your job. See if you can. You know, people are playing games. People are pretending you don't have to be 
fatigued all the time. You don't have to be worn out. You don't have to be tired. Part of our witness is that we have a lot in common with the Energizer Bunny. (laughs) We just keep going and going and going and going. Is that what this verse sounds like? They'll run. And you just keep running and running and running. They'll walk and just keep walking and walking and walking. Say it out loud. The Lord is the strength of my life. Come on, say it like you mean it. The Lord is the strength of my life. Come on, say it again with me. The Lord is the strength of my life. Say it again. The Lord is the strength of my life. Quit saying you're so tired. Quit saying that. Let the weak say, I am strong. Hallelujah. Verse 8, Psalm 27, 8. When you said, seek ye my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Verse 10. When my mother and father forsake me, Then the Lord will take me up. Verse 13, just for time's sake. I had fainted unless I had believed to see. This is what that word wait on the Lord means. Believe to see. What is that? You're expecting. Are you expecting to see something? You're expecting to experience something. How many are expecting to experience the power of God in your life? In the quickening of your spirit and your mind. Stop talking about how you're old and can't remember stuff. Would you quit that? Please. The Bible didn't say that. The Bible said, I have the mind of Christ. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. But a power. 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 God gave me the spirit of power. 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 God gave me the spirit of power. 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 God gave me the spirit of power and love and a sound, sound, healthy, sharp as a razor mind. You do not have to get dull because you get older. You don't have to. I know a lot of people do, but you don't have to. I had an aunt who's going on to be with the Lord now. She lived to be 101. And at age 99 and 100, you could go visit her. And if you'd bring up any of the kids in any of the family... She'd just start off, she'd say, now that's so-and-so's boy, who you know was so-and-so that was married to so-and-so. And then back in 36 was when they met here, and then their father was so-and-so. She could do that for an hour. She knew all the family trees and all the branches and a lot of the dates. 99. Somebody say glory to God. That ain't dull. And what the enemy tries to do is get fear in you. 
you're a little tired because you hadn't been doing what you should be doing and, and you forget something. You think, I should know that. And the enemy says, it's because you just turned 45. It's because you just turned 50. It's because you just turned 60. And, you go, and, and, and it'll almost want to jump out of your mouth. Well, I guess I'm getting a little old, older. You did that when you were 13. You forgot stuff. When you were 10. Don't be a dummy. Don't buy into this junk. Everybody's, everybody put your hands on your head. Sit out loud. God has given me a sound mind. I have the mind of Christ. I will never lose my mind. I will be sharp my whole life. I will never lose my mind. Hallelujah. How, how can you say that? You know, nobody wants to. I can say it based on the word. Did you know that being crazed in the wits and losing your mind is specifically referred to in the curse of the law? I'm quoting Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus, uh, th- these places. It's specifically there. Why is that important? Because the New Testament, Galatians 3.13, says Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from being crazy and losing my mind. And a big part of that is fear. Friend, you, you must not let fear have a place in you or dwell in you or hang on to you. Did you hear that phrase? God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Can you see he's, he's drawing a contrast here? If you let fear stay on you and in you, it will interfere with you having a sound mind. You're giving place to the fear. You have to cast the fear down. You have to resist it. You have to refuse to let it sit on you and in you. Because it will mess up your head. Fear will mess up your head. Especially long term. Over 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Your fears will come on you. Job talks about that. He said, I feared a fear and it came on me. Fear is like a magnet. It draws the thing you're afraid of into your life and you to it. But faith expects power to come into me. Faith expects strength to come into me. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. That's another quote from the Psalms. Say it out loud. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. Hallelujah. Verse 14, 13 and 14, he said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's not heaven later. That's here and now. Verse 14, what does it say? What does it say? Wait on the Lord. What do we know that means? Expect from the Lord. Be of good courage. Why? How can I be of good courage? Because no matter how I feel, how things look, I'm expecting God to help me out on this. I'm expecting. 
You may feel like 40 miles of muddy road. Like one old guy said, lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. You, you may feel low and look bad, but you are expecting. Somebody say, I'm, I'm expecting. Not just wishing, wanting, crying, begging. No, expecting. Oh, somebody heard it. I'm, I'm expecting. I'm expecting the goodness of God to show up in my life. I'm ex- and, and right here and now in the land of the living. I'm expect there'll be plenty of goodness to shout about in heaven when we get over there. But we need some right here and now. I'm expecting to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. What's the result? He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now that's the King James. And some people, having read that, when they hear wait, they think that means stop, don't do anything. Be passive. No, no, that's not what the word means. It means expect. Expect. Yeah, I'm waiting, realizing I can't just make it happen of myself. I'm waiting on him, but not just passively, I'm expecting. Somebody say, I'm expecting. I'm I'm expecting to know what to do. I'm expecting to be able to do it. I'm expecting to get a quickening, a zip in my step. I'm expecting to pick it up, get this thing moving. Did you know, like we said earlier, you don't have to stay up all night watching stuff and scanning the internet endlessly and ceaselessly. You don't have to do that. What you could do is go to bed at a decent hour, and then when you, as you lay your head down, you say, thank you, Father. You give your beloved sleep, and as I sleep, I wait on you. I expect you to minister to me while I sleep. I expect strength to come in. Do you know you can take a healing while you sleep? Did you know that? I mentioned earlier that I was a bit foolish when I was younger. I just going, going, going. And I, I ran into a couple of things. Even in my late 20s and early 30s, there's a time I lost my voice and struggled with voice issues for months, off and on for a couple of years. And uh, I finally realized I'm not resting. I'm never giving it a break. I'm never giving it time to recover. And there was one point that I was uh, waiting on the Lord and praying like this. <laughs> Lord, I got a service this afternoon. You got to help me. You got to help me. And the Lord, he brought to my mind my beard trimmer. <laughs> There's no searching his understanding. <laughs> I've had a beard for a long time. And sometimes people say, well, what do you mean trim your beard? If you've got a beard, you don't have to shave, right? Oh, yeah, you've got to shave, you know, or else it's just, whew. <laughs> so you, you gotta, it actually just takes more involvement. But they came out with these, uh, you know, battery-powered trimmers and, and, and electric razors, and, and this one was cordless. But uh, 
there was more than once that I'd come in off the road and I'm getting ready to go somewhere and I reached to get my, my trimmer. I turned it on and it went <laughs> It had no might. It just, it had no strength. <laughs> so what does it need to do? It needs to wait on the charger. Is, is that right or not? It needs to wait on the charger. And so you put it on the charger. But there's something else you need to do. You have to turn the, the razor off. I said you've got to turn the razor off so it can charge. If it's trying to run at the same time it's trying to charge, then it doesn't charge. The one I had at that time, that's how it was. And so the Lord, I could see it so clearly. He said, you got to turn the switch off. And it has to not be in an operating mode. It has to be in a receiving mode. And then it has to just be left alone. Let it sit there. In, in that case, a few hours. This was back a number of years ago. And I saw that even when I was supposed to have been praying and waiting on the Lord, I'm just doing this. I'm just praying, praying, praying. I'm giving out, giving out, always trying. I'm always on. I didn't know how to <laughs> wait on the Lord and get a full charge. I know when we first started flying, we were going somewhere, and I told Phyllis, she was riding with me, I said, uh, we're going to have to stop up here and get some fuel. And she says, no, <laughs> that means it's going to take longer. And I said, yeah. She said, well, how much do, fuel do we need? I said, uh, we need about an uh, hour and a half. And she said, well, how much fuel you got? I said, about an hour and a half. She says, well, we can make it then. I said, no, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> we got about an hour and a half ago to go and we got about an hour and a half worth of fuel what does that mean do I have enough to go let's go you want to go with me <laughs> what if the winds are a little bit stronger than we thought they were what if they close the airport and we have to land somewhere else what if what if what if what if your, your gauges weren't quite as accurate as you thought they were? What if your math isn't as good as you thought it was and you almost made it? <laughs> Brother Jesse Duplantis, you know, he, he flies. You talk about somebody that used an airplane for the gospel. Man, he, he just goes, 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 goes. And after flying for a while, he's not a pilot. He rides in the back. But after flying... For a while on all these trips, he'd go up to the cockpit and he'd watch what they're doing and, and they'd tell him what they're doing, pilots would. So he told Brother Kenneth Cope one time, he said, you know, I, I've been watching and I think I can almost land this thing. And <laughs> Brother Kenneth said, Jesse, almost landing is a crash. <laughs> if you almost landed, you didn't land. If I almost made it, what does that mean? I can see the end of the runway. It's just a half a mile. Conk, conk, conk. The engine quits. I almost made it. What am I saying? 
Why, why did I have to stop and get fuel? We need reserves. We, you, need reserves. You don't need to run until you sputter and run out. You need reserves. How many, when you reach your destination, you still have extra gas in your tank? You don't plan it to where you're empty as you pull in the garage. (laughs) And we certainly don't do that flying. We figure what we're going to need for the trip and any other things, and then we add on some for reserve so that you land with some gas, just like you pull up in the driveway in your car with some gas. You are not supposed to be running on empty all the time. Running out, running out, running out, sputtering, sputtering. Oh, I almost made it. Oh, I was close. Woo. I almost made it. I almost made it. We're supposed to be having reserve. God gives his power to the faint. To those that have no might, he increases strength. And if we wait on him and expect him, and instead of just trying to be you know, giving out all the time, we learn how to receive, we learn how to build up, we actually can accumulate some reserves so that we're not running on empty all the time. This is a spiritual reality. I'm not supposed to be running on empty all the time. How many would agree? That's poor planning. Right? I know Mike and I were in school on the Intercontinental plane a few years ago, and and they they and they were loading us up with all kind of stuff. We were in the briefing room. We we're talking about an international trip flying across the Atlantic from one continent to another, and and the instructor was looking at us and he said, "So if you're in this situation, this situation, this would, you know, what are you going to do?" And it was a bad situation. And, and we looked at each other and we thought about it and we talked about it and we. And after much discussion, we didn't know what we were going to do. We thought, we are in a mess here, man. And uh, (laughs) because you couldn't go there, you couldn't get back. I mean, and he said, so what's the problem? And we thought, "Mm, we're looking for the answer. He said, the problem is you made a bad decision two hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) Two hours ago, you made a bad decision. You shouldn't have pushed it that far, right? These are lessons for life. If we'll listen, you know, go with me to Matthew. If we'll listen to the Lord our God, he will take care of us. He's a good shepherd. He's not an overbearing, cruel taskmaster. Is the Lord the good shepherd or not? Does the good shepherd drive the sheep until they faint and fall? Huh? And then go to the 11th chapter of Matthew. Does does he push you? Until you collapse and then kick you and say, get up, get up. You can go a little further. That's not him. I said, that's not him. That is not him. He is a good shepherd. He is a good master. He is kind. And they that wait on him and they that follow him and they that listen to him and they that expect of him They won't be running out. They'll be getting renewed. And they will run and not get weary. What what does that mean? You just keep going. 
You're, you're, just, you're just able to do it again tomorrow. Able to do it again tomorrow. And walking, able to do it again. Able to do it again. Why? Because you're not running on empty. You're running on Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you're not running out because you didn't listen. You, you have learned how to wait on Him. Rest. Get renewed. Eliminate the stuff that's wearing you out for no reason. Use your energies for the right things. Come on, can you see this or not? There's wisdom involved in this, direction involved in this. The Lord said this in Matthew uh, 11, 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy loaded. And what? And what? I'll load you some more. I'll push you some more. No, no, no. I'll relieve you. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you'll find what? You'll find what? Rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I've had ministers they said, well, you know, man, the ministry is so hard. It's so hard. I've had more than one person tell me they retired early. They'd retired and got out of ministry five, ten years younger than I am now because they just had had all of it they wanted. They're like, you know, it's just I don't think I'm going to be able to, to live much longer. It's just too much of a stress. It's too much of a strain. And they're talking about how heavy a load it is to be in the ministry. That is contrary to what the head of the church said. I said that's contrary. That's contrary to what the head of the church said. And have you ever heard people say, it's just so hard. It's just so hard. Lord, why did you have to make things so hard? He didn't. He didn't make things so hard. He made them easy. Am I quoting scripture or not? Am I quoting him or not? What did he say? He said, come. Take my yoke upon you. Right? Why? Because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Somebody say light and easy. Light and easy. Light and easy. Light. That's the opposite of heavy and hard. If it's hard and it's just so hard and it's too hard, you didn't get it from him. The devil's tricking you. If it's too heavy, it's just too heavy a load to carry. It's just too heavy to deal with. It's just crushing you. You didn't get it from him. Because his yoke, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And when you couple that with him strengthening you, quickening you, we ought to be the most chipper the most bright-eyed, is that right? The most up, the most energetic, the most lively, the most peaceful, the most joyful people in our county, state, city, country, world. We are the light of the world. And when people see us in our life, they should not see run down, broke down, wore out, crushed, fatigued. That's a bad witness. And it's not God's fault. It's because we're doing some stuff we shouldn't be doing. 
and not doing some things we should be doing. It's not God's fault. But we can change it. I said we can change it. When can we change it? Say, when? When should we start? Schedule it maybe for 2022. Huh? We'll look at it. First of next year. Now, how about right here, right now? Come on, stand up. How about right here, right now? Oh, somebody say thank you. Right here, right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Close your eyes. Focus on him. Don't be looking around. Give him your full attention. The first order of business is to receive Jesus as your Lord. Without him, without his help, you're not going to get it right. But then, with that, you can listen to him. And things totally change in your life. Said out loud, Father God, I do believe in you. That you are the Almighty. Creator of the heavens and the earth. There's no end to your power. Or your understanding. I trust in you. I depend on you. Completely. Jesus. I confess you. As Lord of my life. Thank you. For paying the price. For all my sins. On the cross. I believe. You have been raised from the dead. You're alive right now. Soon to come again. And I confess you. As my Lord. Thank you for saving me. I believe. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. You are not a cruel taskmaster. Who drives your people into the ground. This is a lie. That's not true. Show me. Remind me. Reveal to me. Any things. That I've been doing. That weaken me. That fatigue me. That tire me. For no benefit. For no reason. And show me what to change. And how to change it. Reveal to me. How to wait on you. In expectation. And be renewed. In strength. In the inner man. And quickened. In the outer man. Show me. Reveal it to me. Enable me to develop in it. And I will be. Strong in you, Lord, and in the power of your might. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.